0: If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Mark chapter 4, and uh, you see on your outlines that you find ourselves at Jesus calming the storms. And uh, know many of us have maybe walked in tonight or this morning, excuse me, with a, a heart wanting to have our storms just calmed. You know, there's sometimes you walk into a Sunday morning and maybe you have... I felt as I do that there's some Sundays that you just feel like, hey, there's a lot going on, I am tired, maybe the kids are going crazy, and you just think, there's no way I can make it to church today. Or maybe you feel like there's so much on your shoulders that you would say, I don't even know how I can come into church and sing because of the hardships that I faced. Maybe you look outside and it's a rainy and cold day, and you say, you know, I'll just stay inside today. It's a little bit uh, warm or cold outside, and we have this wonderful broadcast ministry, so I'll sit in my, my nice comfy jammies, and I'll just watch at home. Right, you've been there. None of y'all. Y'all would never do that. No. There are those days that we feel like that. And uh, as we come to this text in Mark chapter four, talking about Jesus calming the storms, there's a brother in our midst, uh, Greg Fryson who rain or shine, whatever's going on, Greg is here, right in his spot, every single Sunday morning. Now he's an 8:30 guy, so you may not have seen him much at 11 o'clock. But ask him to go ahead and stay at 11 o'clock. We ask that Greg would just share his testimony of what the Lord has done in his life. As weathered storms and difficult seasons and hardships, here's Greg here every Sunday morning alongside his brothers and sisters, worshiping the Lord. No matter if it's raining or if it's icy or cold or hot, Greg's here wheeling himself from his place right down the street here to First Baptist Church with an umbrella in tow, ready to go and ready to serve and worship. And so before we come to Mark chapter 4, Jesus calming the storm, I wanted you to hear from our brother Greg, share his testimony. So listen attentive. Listen with attentive ears to what the Lord would say through Greg.
1: My name is Gregor Freisey. I'm a member of first baptist church i got saved at 37. i'm originally from tuscaloosa alabama road tide my mother's name is sue w Fryson, and she was good and strong and a hard worker she taught right from wrong but i didn't know what the right from wrong came from all i knew was to be obedient i graduated in 1990 and i went to jacksonville state university and uh and I was drinking. I was a, actually I was a drunk. And uh, God called me. I wasn't listening to God. I wasn't interested in no Jesus. I was too busy taking my shirt off and uh, uh, getting on my knees and following Bill. My grade was so bad, and you know they put you on probation, so I had to drop out. And I went to uh, Trenton Technical College. And got my degree in culinary arts. So I got a uh, job at Montgomery catering. I realized I substituted everything but the right thing. My job, Alabama football, was my guard. And I, I'm still I'm making bad, I'm making bad decisions. I'm lonely. I didn't know what to turn to or how to turn to anything. Because I wasn't taught about Jesus. Um, I found out I was a diabetic at 25, I wasn't paying no attention to it. My first problem was my eyesight had went. I was just riding and said, brother-in-law, I can't see nothing but clouds. And uh, I went to Dr. Masson. Dr. Masson told me I had to retire from uh, culinary arts. And I just cried, cried, cried. I think God started pinching me then, and then uh, I started getting amputated on. Cause my diabetes was really working on me then. First, my fingers started messing with me. Like I said, I, I'm not lying. I've been amputated. I've been amputated about uh, with the four fingers and uh, six, one, eight, nine, about nine, ten times. I lost my legs cause of diabetes. But I still didn't want to turn my, I'm I'm hard-headed, I still didn't want to turn my life over to God after all these impotations. I was upstairs with my thumb, with my thumb just in strifling pain. But I had medicine to take it, but I wouldn't take it, because I needed an answer. So why I'm so lonely? I'm alone in in this world. I'm making bad decisions. And God pissed me. He said, you need to find Jesus. So, and, and being through all the amputation and disappointment with people and a job, I had to surrender. And I'm dead serious. Because he called me. And God said, I want you to go First Baptist. I said, Lord, I don't know nobody from First Baptist. Nobody. Who do I, and I ain't got no way to go to First Baptist. He started talking to me more and I listened hard and I met Kenny Holmes and then Kenny took me and introduced me to Jay Wolf and then God touched me he said you need to be baptized I got baptized that night by Jay Wolf and Jay Wolf asked me the normal questions have you gave your life to God and all this I say and he uh, actually added something to it Say, you've been through a lot. He said, yeah, I have been through a lot, but I need it. I need to go through a lot, and I'm ready. And then he dipped me up on the water. I felt the, I felt the change immediately. But I'm all in. And when, he's just like. It's just like when I was on my job. I was all in on my job. I was all in with that Alabama football. You can't be all in for Jesus. Anybody can make excuses. The world is full of excuses. Always have been, always will be. It's a time, it's a common point in time in everybody's life. When you get serious, you got to take it serious. And I'm serious about Jesus and following Jesus till I die. I'm not angry with God. Why? I didn't know God. Yeah, sure, I've been amputated. I lost my sight. Stuff happens in life. You can't blame God for your mistakes. Most of the time, it's your mistake, because you a sinner. I'm a sinner. And God do say this. He say, oh, I'm disciplining you, because I love you, and you are a child of God. I try to do what God want me to do. I still got plenty of talent. I still got plenty of talent. I still can see a little bit to chop and cook and clean. If i not, I can call one of my sisters brothers for about Baptist, to help me out. And they come running. <laughs> I want to quote the scripture that I supposed to remember in March. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests be made known to God and a a peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
0: Gregory, you would likely explain what we sang at the beginning. You would say, all glory be to Christ, because that's what you said this morning. I just want to thank you publicly for the way that you continue to serve the Lord, and thank you for those words that you said, that you are going to follow Jesus until the day that you die. So thank you for your encouragement, your conviction. Most importantly, thank you for showing up, and what that means to me to see a faithful brother who wants to follow Jesus, even as the storms of life at times come crashing all around And so, in light of that, and in light of what we've just seen and heard testimony from a beloved brother, let's go now to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him up with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, he was asleep on the cushion. And they awoke Jesus and said to them, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Lord, thank you for these beautiful words of testimony. And I pray that you would codify our hearts together with yours, that we would not simply listen to the word, simply listen to the testimony of someone who's walked through the trenches and found your peace and comfort. Or that you would change our hearts from the inside out. Or we need you. We need you to show us your calling in our lives, your direction for our steps. Or Lord, we want to follow you with every, every way that we can. Lord, we love you. Be with us now as we cut open your word. With it nourish our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Five quick facts that we can learn from this passage. And I've given you space in between each fact in which you can take some more notes. And hopefully I'll give you some stuff to write down there. But the first fact that we come to is that Jesus is in the boat. First obvious conclusion that we see is that Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. In fact, Jesus has compelled them to get in the boat and go to the other side. Now Jesus is teaching at this point and you remember back from two weeks ago we're talking, Jesus is teaching the disciples about these parables about what the kingdom of God is like. He's in the boat teaching because his his voice amplifies off the water and it's an easier way to teach more people and so is, is in the boat. He compels the disciples to go to the other side. First and foremost, if you have come today with the title in mind of Jesus calming the storm, and you've said, I'm here for those five points to get five ways in which I can have peace in my life, unless you hit number one, the other four, the other things that we're going to talk about have no relevancy. If Jesus is not the leader and Lord of your life, then I have no peace other than that to offer you. We can go to other places. We can go to nice retreatful places like the beach into the lake. We can do a a whole bunch of fun things that give us momentary peace. But unless we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, unless he is the leader of your life, unless he is in the boat with you, I have no other peace but to offer you. First and foremost, friends, Jesus must be in your boat. Jesus must be in your life. If you want peace for your life, in your life, if you want the peace that surpasses all understanding, we find that and know that when Jesus is in your life. And so I don't want to be cliche and just ask, hey, Jesus in your boat? You can smile through the storm. I'm not asking any of that other than to say, first and foremost, before we move forward to the calmness of the Jesus following us, we must understand that Jesus has got to be in your boat. Jesus has got to be your foundation. We can chase symptoms all the day long to figure out why we're lonely, why we're struggling, why we're facing alcohol, why we're going after drugs. We can face all of these dilemmas and chase after every symptom in the book. But do you know Jesus? That's it. We could pack it up and go on home right now. That's, that's the point. Do you know Jesus? And so we see Jesus in the boat, and we see number two, we come to a storm that arrives very suddenly. There's a lot to unpack here as Jesus is asking them to leave and go to the other side, the other boats with them, and a great windstorm arises, waves breaking into the boat, so the boat is already filling up. You see that this storm arises very quickly. See, I wish that I could stand before you today and say, hey friends, invite Jesus into your boat and you will never face any problems. There will never be any storms in your life. You'll never struggle with anything. Your finances will continue to increase. Your health will be perfect. You'll never face any storms, any challenges. You will fly through life on the mag- magic carpet of life, and there will never have any problems. Well, you see very clearly right here that Jesus is, what's the point number one? Jesus is in, come on, y'all. Jesus is in the boat. We've only got one point. You remember here. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in the boat, and the storms still arise. We, we get this. We understand this. We know this from our experience, that even having Jesus in our boat, even following Jesus, does not make us immune from the problems of this world. At times, it points our eyes towards Jesus, but it does not give us an immunity shield against the storms of life. It doesn't just simply say, problems, you stay away, because I've got Jesus on my team and on my side. Following Jesus does not get you out of the world's problems. So we go back to Philippians. We see Paul, a great man of the Lord, following Jesus as he preached the gospel and proclaimed the gospel. Did more problems leave him or did more problems come his way? He found himself in prison facing hardships because he was simply doing the will of the Lord in his life. So we understand that simply inviting Jesus into your life does not mean the problems go away. But also we see and recognize that the storm arrives suddenly. Suddenly. Can I tell you, in my experience, I've sat with many people and walked them through storms of life, listened as they shared the storms that are coming over. And I have never once had anyone sit in my office and say, hey, Mark, I am a planner. And guess what? Ten years to the day, I've got a storm coming. Ten years from now, I know that I'm going to get a call that says I've got cancer. And so I'm here today to prepare myself for ten years from now when I get that phone call. Nobody said in my office and said, hey, four years from now, I know that I'm going to get a job and I'm going to lose my job and lose all my finances. I know that in four years from now, that storm's coming. So I'm here today to prepare for that moment. Now, friends, usually you don't even get a two weeks notice right. We know that these storms arise suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, that the difficulties and struggles and strife that we face usually are not things that we are preparing for and saying, I know it's coming in the distance, and so I'm going to prepare myself today for this storm that I know is coming. Yet the reality is, we know that storms are coming. We know that when we follow Jesus, storms and difficulty, the fallen nature of the world that we live in, difficulty will come our way. And while we cannot say 10 years from now, four years from now, or when I walk out the doors of this church and head home, we don't know when our storms will come. But we know that they arise suddenly. I was looking at this passage too. I couldn't help but notice that Jesus is teaching the disciples and they're having church. In the previous portions of Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching them incredible truths about the reality of the kingdom of God. Y'all remember that? About the mustard seed. What is the kingdom of God like? I mean, we've learned incredible truth where Jesus is teaching his disciples one-on-one. This is a a great moment, and you think these, these disciples are on cloud nine. They are experiencing church with Jesus. And it's not a few verses later that they are fearing for their life in the middle of a storm, not knowing what's going on. Remind us, last week I went and visited with one of our Sunday school classes, and we were sitting down having a little Q&A time, and I was telling them about the the Sunday morning at the Bethea house. Sunday mornings that look like a lot of crying. A lot of times I wonder if our kids have demons. I don't know what's going on. It just gets crazy. I feel like at times my wife and I have some of our biggest disagreements and arguments as we're leaving to go to church on Sunday mornings that church attendance, coming to church, does not preclude you from the storms. The disciples come from church and head right into a storm, do they not? Your Monday morning sometimes feel like everything that you've learned here on Sunday morning, you have the opportunity to put it to the test. Some of you driving home, you'll find some drivers who are wanting to put to the test all the things the Lord is trying to teach you. so often, friends, church attendance does not keep you from the storms of life. Jesus in your boat does not keep you from the storms of life. Let's carry through and see some helpful portions of the scripture as well. You see, number three, the disciples are afraid. Rightly so. You see in verse 38 that the, the stern, Jesus, is asleep on the cushion. I mean, the boat is breaking apart. The boat is, you think this vessel may not be able to carry on any more water. And here the disciples look, and they see Jesus asleep on the cushion, right? Rightful place for the King of kings and the Lord of lords just be taking a little nap while everybody else is freaking out, right? So the disciples are afraid. I mean they're saying Jesus. Hey man, don't you see that we are perishing? Don't you see that we are dying here and you're asleep on the boat? Right? They're not singing. To my knowledge, there's no recorded scripture where they're singing when Jesus is on the boat you can smile in the storm. It's not it's not recorded here. I love the song, but it's not here. All right? So they're they're not they're not smiling in the storm. They are terrified saying Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? And I love this phrase that they use, don't you care that we are perishing? The very thing that Jesus came to this earth to do is the thing that they've come to to Jesus and say, don't you care that we're perishing? Think back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The very thing, the purpose of Jesus, that he came to this earth, that none should perish. The disciples are losing it because they think that he is causing them to perish. 2 Peter 3, 9 through 10. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some would count slowness, but is patient towards you. You can imagine the disciples in this moment are thinking, Lord, I wish you would not be so patient, not be so slow, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. see, the disciples are scared to death, thinking that this is their end, that Jesus had asked them to go across the sea to their demise with him sitting quietly Asleep in the boat. Friends, at the point of this passage, would just simply say, follow Jesus, and he'll simply calm the storms of your life, and everything will simply go away, and you can snap the easy button, and everything will simply float away. That's not the point of this passage. I know many of you are in seasons of life in which you are looking at Jesus seemingly asleep in the boat and saying, Jesus Don't you see that I'm perishing? Don't you see that my boat is taking on more water than I can handle? Jesus, don't you see the boat of my life is just breaking apart? Where are you? Would you wake up? Would you help me? Would you say, peace, be still? Would you help me, Lord? I'm struggling. I need you. You come to Psalm 22. It appears that experience is not unfamiliar with the writers of Scripture where the psalmist would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry day by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. See, there are some of us who are still waiting for that peace be still moment. We're in the storm, we're in the struggle, and we are holding on with everything that we can, and we know Jesus is there with us, and we're crying out, Lord Jesus, would you save us? There's no indication here how long the storm goes on, how long the disciples struggled. We know that disciples were excellent fishermen, excellent on the boat. They knew how to sail. This was a good area in their life where they would know, hey, if there a storm comes up, I am uniquely prepared for this moment. But you see, they're not. The disciples are floundering. They don't know what to do, and they see Jesus asleep. And here in verse 40 or 39, you see what Jesus does. He awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, peace, be still. And what happened? Did did he say, hey, guys, look up there. In about 15 minutes, I can see the clouds breaking. Y'all just hold on tight to the boat. In about 15 minutes, you just wait. Everything is going to be all right. Or did Jesus say, with authority, peace, be still, and the winds calm, and the raging seas halt? You see, Jesus' authority is displayed again. And friends, this right here is the crux of this passage. This is what we have to retain and understand, that yes, Jesus does calm the storms and he does bring us peace that surpasses all understanding to face the storms of life. But this here is the crux of this passage, that Jesus' authority time and time and time and time again through the book of Mark is displayed so beautifully for us to see. Then in Mark chapter 1, we see Jesus have authority over the word to speak with authority over the word. You see him heal people with authority over uh, leprosy and disease. Authority to say, son, your sins are forgiven. Authority over sins. You see over Easter, we talked about Jesus' authority over death. And here we see authority over the winds and the seas. Time and time and time again, Jesus is clearly demonstrating his authority. The same Jesus who said, let's go to the other side, is the same Jesus who has authority to calm the raging seas in an instant and in a moment. It asks us this key question that we've been asking week after week. Is Jesus an authority in your life? Are you following Jesus' leadership in your life today, right now? Are you following and trusting in Jesus? Go to verse 5. Or excuse me, number five and verse 41. As Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And the disciples were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See again, number five, the disciples are again afraid. But this fear is a little bit different. The disciples have moved from fear of everything outside the boat, fear of the raging seas and the storms and the wind that's breaking the boat up. The disciples have moved from being afraid of what's outside the boat to what is inside their boat. In a moment, the raging seas, the circumstance of their problem has given way to the understanding and the reality that in the boat with them was not a good sailor, not a good meteorologist, not a good doctor, not a good healer. But the realization that the guy that's in their boat has authority over everything strikes fear into their heart that this is not just another man, not just another prophet, not just a good teacher who's come to show them a good way to live and raise kids. They're not going to fully understand until Jesus dies and raises from the dead. But here in their words, you see them filled with great fear at the one who's in the boat. And they say this, who then is this? Who is this? This question, this question goes back to our first point. Who is Jesus in your life? Who is Jesus to you? Is he someone that simply you come into church and check the box off? Is he someone that you're trying to teach your kids these good moral things that he said so they could be good little kids? Or is he the, your Messiah, your Lord, your leader, your guide, your step-by-step following Jesus? Who then is this Jesus to you, your Savior, who has taken all of your sins away, who gives you peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of the storm? Who is this Jesus to you? As the disciples, as they have heard his teaching about the kingdom of God, and as they have seen it with their own two eyes, the storms in an instant become calm. They ask the question that we should all ask, who then is this Jesus? Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, help us. We come again, just, we come to this time of invitation, not because we have to, but because we need it, Lord. I recognize that there are times in my life where you have not been you have not been at the helm. I've not allowed you to be the leader of my life. And I confess and repent of the times where I try to do things on my own, where I feel like I'm a good enough sailor to make it through the storm, but Lord, I want to trust in you. I want to depend on you, Lord. I know there's many in this room who are facing storms. Who are facing hardships who feel like the boat of their life is just breaking apart. Lord, would you, would you intervene with the peace? Be still, Lord. Would you remind them of their nearness and your proximity to them? The devil would come to seek to steal, kill, and destroy in these moments when we cry out and we don't hear your voice. Lord, we know that the devil would seek to deceive. Lord, would you implant your truth firmly in us? that you love and care and desire a relationship, that you don't want any to perish, but you want all to seek repentance. You don't want any to perish and spend an eternity apart from you. You you love us so much that you came to this earth to die in our place. And so, Lord, now, as we sing the song, we ask that question of our hearts. Who are you? Who are you to us? And we want to follow you with everything that we have for all the days that we have left. Lord, we love you. And thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.